0: A few years ago, a guy asked me to teach him how to shoot a firearm. He came to a class I taught and he wanted follow up instructions. So I went out there and he said, you used to be in the FBI. I said, yeah. He said, can I talk to you about something that's going on in my company? And he began to tell me a story um, of how he and his wife, they had no kids, but they had been very blessed with a big company, a big company. That did a lot of retail merchandise and, and a lot of a lot of volume and it wasn't even based out of here it was based in another state but they lived here but they had been very blessed lots lots and lots of revenue that came in. and they had no children and there was a young lady they met at that uh, company who worked uh, at the very bottom level of the company like a runner, just somebody at the very entry level position that they heard that she had no parents, her parents had died, and she was all alone in the world. So they kind of adopted her pretty much and just began to have her over and build into her and almost, and just told her, "We, we would like for you to spend time with us and we would like to help you since you don't have parents and we have no kids. Well, this young lady grew in the company and responsibility to the point where she became president of the company. These people were so generous and so giving, so loving. And um, in fact, the the guy who who really invited her to come in was out visiting a, a, a retail store, ran into a guy, just started was talking to him about something, found out he was a young high school guy and had a heart to go into the IT world and really do a lot of good stuff with computers. So he just said, listen, I'd like to help you. So he financed him to go to Florida State and said, when you get out, I would like you to come do it with my company. Paid for his whole college education. He goes to work for this guy. And along the way, this young guy who's right out of college connects with the lady who's the president and the lady whose president had an affair with one of the other workers there, and this guy and her and this young guy come up with an idea to create a shell company that does business with the main company. And they figure out a Ponzi scheme way to buy product through lines of credit, sell product, get more product. The bottom line is over a period of years, they siphon $10 million away from this man and his wife. That they own. That was their company. They started it from nothing, and they stole $10 million. So he's telling me, I just don't know if things are right. So he gives me the information about the shell company. He doesn't know it's a shell company. He just knows something's not right. He wants me to check out the president. Well, as I start doing research, because I was an FBI agent, I start looking and find out there is, there's not even employees at this company. There's nobody that works there. It's not even a physical location. It's all shell. So I come back to him and I tell the owner, I said, listen, there's mail fraud, there's conspiracy to commit fraud, there's uh, all kinds of charges here. And I said, these people, what they've done is they've broken federal laws. They will go to jail federally. And he goes, no, I don't want that. I just want them to do the right thing. I, I, I just want them to give my money back and to admit what they did was wrong and tell me they don't want to do it again. I go, they stole $10 million from you. And he goes, I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want them to go to jail. I just want them to do the right thing. I want to give them a chance. So I call my friend at the U.S. Attorney's Office, And I call the FBI office here and talk to a guy I know there. And I tell them what's going on. And they go, yeah, we'd be all over that. $10 million, that's above the threshold. That's a good case. So I go back to the guy and tell him that. Well, (laughs) he says, Doug, can you come over to my house tomorrow? I'm bringing them all down here, the three primaries that are involved. And I'm I'm like, I'm not an FBI agent anymore. I mean, what do you want me there for? I just want you to be here and kind of tell them what you found out. (laughs) And I say, you know, I don't know how that's going to go. And he goes, no, just would you do it for me? So I said, okay. So I prayed. I go over there and I said, listen, guys, first thing you need to know, I'm a minister. I'm like a chaplain to this guy. But I was an FBI agent. I know the law. You've broken the law. And let me tell you how you've broken it. And I went through 13 different charges. And I presented them evidence that I'd gather. And I said, I'm not even in the FBI. And I've got enough evidence right now to send you to federal prison. Right here in my hand. With his testimony in this, the girl, the lady, it's not a girl anymore, is crying. She's weeping. The guy next to her looks like a deer in the headlights, the guy she had an affair. He just doesn't know what to think. The young guy is sitting there trying to figure everything out. He's got a Rolex watch. he's in a $75,000 car. He's 28, 29 years old. I get them all three to confess in the middle of that room or actually God did, but he used me to do it to get them to they confess to the crime in front of me, in front of this guy and his wife. Now that's a big problem for them because they've just confessed. But then the young guy starts bowing up and, and says, I need to get my attorney and I, I didn't do anything wrong. And so I tell him, I said, here's what's going to happen. I said, see that girl crying over there? She's going to flip because she's already tore up about it. The weight has been brought to bear on her. She's already feeling it. She knows it's wrong. These people have loved her. She is going to talk about you two like no tomorrow. Because she ain't going to federal prison. And she feels bad because of what she did to them. So she's going to be a witness against you two. This guy, not sure. But you, young man, I said I can already see in you pride. And I can see the fact that you're going to fight this and you're going to go to jail. You're going to go for four or five years. Which Tim will tell you, for a a white collar crime first violation, that's a huge sentence. And I said, but you're going to go because you're so full of pride you can't even see it. And and, and you have an opportunity. This guy's saying, repent, stop. That means just to say I was wrong and I don't want to be like this anymore and give back what you have. He's not even asking you to repay all the money, just what you've got left. And you are free from being prosecuted from this, what he's saying. Well, they lawyered up all three of them, all three of them went to federal prison. Guess who the primary witness was at the trial? Yeah. Yeah. I sat there in the trial. He brought such weight to bear on the jury. But I will tell you this, the jury, I found out later one of the guys on the jury is my neighbor that I had never met. (laughs) And he had seen me in the neighborhood and recognized me when I was on the trial, I mean, when I was testifying, but we had never met. And he told me after the trial, after it was all over, he told me that, you know what, Doug, they almost let him off. The, the, the young guy, who was the mastermind of it all, by the way. They couldn't have done it without him. He put it all together. He was the IT guy. And the young guy, and he gained the most out of it, but... They said he had a wife and two kids, and they, the jury really was feeling bad about sending him to prison. But he said, you know what made the difference? The prosecuting attorney put such a weight of responsibility on him and such a, 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 a picture of the two victims of their innocence and their love for these people that the jury had no choice but to return a guilty verdict. Well, that's what's going on in Acts chapter 3. Peter is almost acting like a prosecutor. He is laying out evidence. He, he's, what's an indictment, Tim? Tell everybody what an indictment is. Well, facts have been gathered by a grand jury they're presented to a grand jury and they feel that the prosecutor has enough information to, again, convict. Con- to convict. It is the charges against the guilty. And so in this text today, what we're going to see is God calling us and He calls people to respond to Messiah and He is revealing His indictment of rejection. That's what we see first. His indictment of rejection. But in the second part, we see a reminder of His invitation for repentance. And we can choose to be like Justin, that young man, and think, you know what? We'll beat it. Or well, we can choose to repent. Had he repented, he would have never gone to prison. These people, some of them are going to choose to repent, but some won't, and they're going to spend eternity enduring the wrath of God. And that's what he lays out. And I mean, I'm not going to do a huge long intro about the, the whole book of Acts, because we, we, most of you guys have been in here, but the bottom line for, for Acts is the main theme is Jesus is Messiah, and His people reject Him. The very people that he came for rejected him. The very people he gave life to. Because if you look in the scriptures, it says that Jesus is the author of life. And I think about this man and woman who took in these people, but not just one, but two of them cared for him, and they repaid that by what? Rejecting their love for their selfish ambition. And I look at the Jewish people and what I see is people who God had been so good to them, He took them out of captivity. He blessed them. And every time He blessed them, you know what they did? They took it for granted and they rebelled. And they became paranoid and they didn't like... They said, "We, we don't want you as our king. We want an earthly king like all the other people. And so God gave them a whole series of bad kings to show them this is not what you want. And so God uses the healing of a man lame from birth as an introduction to this message by Peter to get attention, to bring them in. And God calls for a response to Messiah to the name, Jesus of Nazareth. You know, Acts 2:22 in that sermon, Acts three, when Peter heals him. Acts four. Acts 5, Acts 8, you see the name of Jesus. He is Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. There's 200 different names for Jesus Messiah in the Bible. 200. Jesus, Yeshua, is mentioned 800 times in the New Testament. The whole Bible is about him. Everything. It's not a rule book. It's not about a better marriage. Not about a, a, a better parenting set. It's about Messiah. That's what the whole thing is about. And that's what Peter preaches about in this text. He preaches revealing his indictment of rejection, but also revealing this invitation to repentance. So let's read the text and I'm going to come back and we're going to look at these two things. Indictment, the charges, because he he highlights six or seven different names or what I call amplifiers about Jesus. And then he gives us five things that the invitation brings if we repent. So starting in verse 12 of chapter 3, join with me. If you don't have a Bible, there's one up here for you. It says, And when Peter saw it, he saw what? When he saw them run together in Solomon's portico, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac... And the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he had decided to release him, but you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses." Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. May God bless his word. God calls us to respond to Messiah by revealing His indictment of rejection. And I think it's easy for us a lot of times to look at the Jewish people and to condemn them for rejecting Him after what they saw. But we do the same thing. We reject Him. And you go, no, I don't, I don't reject Him. I believe in Him. A lot of those people believed in Him as long as He was doing things they thought He should do. But it was only when He began to step out of what they thought He should do that they rejected Him. You see, they were fine when He was healing the sick. When He was raising the dead, He was gathering crowds. They were following Him. But when He goes to Jerusalem, and instead of going over to the Antonio Fortress, and taking authority over Pilate, he goes instead to the temple and turns over the tables. They go, whoa! Whoa, wait a minute. Messiah is supposed to kick Rome out. Not the religious leaders. It turned their world upside down. We do the same thing. I think we have an image of what Christ should be. Messiah should be for us. And when He's not that, are we going to stay with Him? See, they missed Him because what they were looking for was not what they got. And I think because of bad preaching, bad theology, a lot of people are hearing a message that Jesus is what you want Him to be. You don't hear the kind of preaching Peter's doing here like Bodie preaches. The kind that brings the weight to bear well, you go, you can't listen to that every Sunday. I mean, come on, you got to have practical teaching every Sunday. If you go through Peter's messages and look how many times he preached about Jesus and brought the weight to bear of the indictment. And notice, and what it was about, it. they murdered Messiah. They didn't just reject him, they murdered him. Verse 12, he says, Men of Israel. And the first thing he says is, Why do you wonder at this? Why are you staring? In other words, they're just standing around watching. What should they be doing as children of God? Children of Messiah? Children who were looking for Messiah? The disciples were preaching. Peter's already preached one message, right? He's already healed a guy. There have been signs. And now... He just heals another guy that was prophesied back, I read last week, in Isaiah. And the guy's doing exactly what it said would be done, which is what Jesus did. And they're just standing around. They're just standing around going, have you ever been like that? You ever know you're supposed to do something, but you you don't want to do it for whatever reason, and you just get paralyzed? That's where they are. They're like, what is this? And he goes, why do you act like we're doing this? And so he says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, our fathers, this is the covenant name of God. We see it back in Exodus with Moses. You see it in 1 Kings with Elijah. You see it over in uh, 2 Chronicles with Hezekiah. They use this covenant name to call the one true living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Why why do they do that? Because... Every time they use that name, they go back to Genesis 12 where God told Abraham, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless you. Your children are going to be numerous as the sand on a seashore. And you are going to bless every family on earth. They're going to be used. You're going to be the one. Why? How were they going to do that? Because they were the carriers of the Messiah message. They were supposed to be. But they defaulted. And what he's saying is, he's taking them back there and notice what he says. This God, the one true living God, glorified His, it may say servant in yours, it may say child in yours. The word there is more closely related to child. It's the Greek word pais. is P-A-I-S. But the bottom line is, it's the child of God. And that's one of the Six names that he uses to talk about Messiah. And why is that important? He uses these six names because he's highlighting his innocence. He's highlighting his connection to the Most High God. And he says, this child that God glorified, you delivered. That word delivered means like to give to an executioner or to arrest You delivered and disowned. What does Matthew say? What does Jesus say? Anyone who what? Is ashamed of me? When I'm before my Father, what? I'm going to be ashamed of you. They disowned him. They disowned him. So the first name is child, that description. The second one is Jesus himself. Verse 13, he says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, glorified his servant, his child, Jesus. Yeshua, I told you 800 times. Do you know what Yeshua is, Jesus? Jesus is the Greek of Joshua in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, Yeshua. Yeshua means salvation is of the Lord. That's His name. The name Yeshua 800 times in the New Testament pointing to the Old Testament prophecies, He is Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. But it's a special name. It means salvation is of the Lord. But notice in verse 14, He says, You denied The Holy One. Well, let me go back just a second. First of all, when he says you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, you know why that's significant? What were the Jewish people supposed to do in the presence of Pilate? If you go back to Genesis 12, if you go back to Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, where he says you are a kingdom of what? priest. You are to be the messengers to the Greeks. You are to be the messengers to the pagans. You are to act as a priest and carry the message of Messiah. But instead of doing that in front of Pilate, what did they do? They disowned Messiah. That was a big deal. That is bringing some huge weight to bear on these people. Peter is a great prosecutor here, man, and he lays it out. He goes into verse 14, the holy and righteous one, the holy one. That, deals, that word deals with the nature, set apart nature, the character. And you know, back in Psalm 16, we read that last week when we were um, going back to that Messianic Psalm. Listen to what Psalm 1610 says about Messiah. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Peter used that term in Acts 2.27 in his first message. You turned over one whose nature and character were set apart for God. And you turned them over to be murdered. He also says righteous one in verse 14. That, that deals with behavior. You know what's interesting? That Pilate six times in the Scriptures said Jesus was innocent. Six different places. He was innocent. He didn't want to kill Him. He tried to get out of it. But see, the Jewish leaders had blackmailed Him basically and put Him in a real bad way. He had already had two bad... Uh, encounters with the Jews the third one he was afraid that C, uh, the Caesar was going to come down and clean him up and either replace him or kill him and so he felt the pressure and he compromised but he declared Jesus innocent six different times and then in verse 15 he says the author of life the au- you, you denied The author of life. You turn the author of life. The one who gave you breath. Who created the world. Who holds the world together, Scripture says. You took him and you gave him to pagans to kill. And you murdered him. You killed him. You delivered him. You denied him in front of Pilate. And he says instead, you chose a murderer. Now, who's he talking about there? Huh? He is. But you know who else is a murderer? Satan. Barabbas represents the world. He represents Satan. He represents the enemy. You chose a murderer instead of the one who gave you life. I think back to Justin, that young guy. You chose... Money and greed and hurt over the one who helped you. The very one who paid for your ability to even know how to do what you do. And I think we forget a lot of times we reject Messiah in our life. Because He's not who we want to be. And we, we choose a murderer. And we go, well, we're not choosing a murderer. I mean, I wouldn't have chose Barabbas, right? None of us would have done that. Remember what they said? (laughs) We have no king but Caesar. They didn't want a king that was like Jesus. They wanted a king that would be like the king they wanted. Now, verse 15 is interesting. That's another title. The one God raised from the dead. I love that. If you murdered somebody and you thought you had murdered somebody, and all of a sudden they show up on your doorstep, you're going to poop your pants, man. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you. If you saw the movie Gladiator, I love that movie. One of the best scenes in the movie for me was at this end of his first fight back in Rome where Commodus, the emperor, goes in there to the ring And he goes, who are you? He doesn't know who he is. Because he thought he had killed Maximus Decimus Meridius. And he pulls his mask off and says, I'm Maximus Decimus Meridius. Father to a murdered son by the way that you killed. Husband to a murdered wife by the way that you killed. And I will have my revenge in this life or the next. Commodus wasn't feeling too good at that moment (laughs) in the movie. We could rent that movie again. Yeah, it's a great scene. But I want you to imagine for a second the kind of angst that must have gone through these people when He said that with all these other things that brought all this weight to bear on them. You chose a murderer over Messiah. Matthew 27 said, they said His blood be on us and our children. It's easy to say that when you're on this side of seeing His resurrection. But I guarantee you, even if they didn't buy into Him as as Messiah, they saw a miracle. And Peter said, it's by the name of Jesus, by faith in His name, this man was healed. By the way, he's not talking about the faith of the man. Who's he talking about? The faith of Peter in the power of God. The resurrection power. And that is what raised that guy up. Because Peter was being led by the Spirit. It wasn't just some random healing where he goes. The Spirit led him to take that guy up. And he did so in faith. And the guy walked. He then walked in 40 years. And that was an incredible attention getter for those people. And now he's saying that it's the power of the resurrected Jesus, the same Jesus that he proclaimed last week, the same Jesus that Jesus went around healing people, raising people from the dead, said, I'm the one, the same Jesus that was prophesied in Isaiah 53, the same Jesus prophesied by King David in Psalm 22, by the prophet Zechariah. Yeah, that Jesus. Oh, and by the way, he's alive. They were they were undone. And Peter knew it. You know why? Because he says in verse 17, Brothers, I know you did this in ignorance. He's trying to calm them a little bit. You know? It's like one of us saying, Hey, you know what, Andrew? I know you didn't mean to do that. That's what he's saying. I know you did it in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets... His Christ, his Messiah, would suffer, he thus fulfilled. I know you acted ignorantly. Why is that important for them to hear? Well, if you go back to Numbers 15, Leviticus 4:5. Even let, let me read from Hebrews real quick. Hebrews 9. Remember, we were taught, we, we taught in Hebrews, we were talking about the sacrifices, and this is just kind of slipped in there. A lot of times you read right over it. Hebrews. 9, 6, and 7. The, the, these preparations having been made, the priests go regularly into the first section of the temple performing their ritual duties. But into the second, only the high priest goes. And he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. Is there a difference between unintentional sin? and sin and, and intentional yeah there was in, in the jewish system and so he talks about you know you did this in ignorance he's trying to go back and appeal to their to to their their lack of knowledge did they know about jesus yes they knew the scriptures but they were looking for a different messiah it's like paul says listen These things I did, I did in ignorance. But God in His mercy revealed the truth to me and He gave me an opportunity to repent. And so what Peter says next is, you have an opportunity to repent right now. Take it. He says, He reminded them of His invitation for repentance and He says, repent so that, and He gives them five things. First of all, real quick, your sins are forgiven. Verse 19, they're blotted out. Go back to Isaiah 43:25 and it uses the same language there talking about Messiah blotting out God blotting out taking away it's like he erases our sin. It's like you do it and it's gone before you even know it. Because how many sins had you committed back when he was crucified, Taylor? Yeah, you weren't around. So every sin that you had committed in your Ignorant state before you responded to Messiah, even after you come to Messiah and even in the future is erased because of what? Because of Jesus Messiah, because you're his. And you have faith in Him, faith in His name to do that. The same way Peter had faith to reach down and pull that guy up, we exercise faith by claiming the name Jesus as our Messiah, our King, our prophet, and our priest. Our sins are forgiven. But he also says in verse 20, times of refreshing may come. What does that mean? Well, he's talking about God's kingdom will come. Notice he says, times of refreshing may come from... The presence of the Lord. Over in Luke 17, Jesus is teaching. And He says the kingdom of God. You guys are looking for the kingdom of God here. It's in the midst of you. It's in My presence. Remember, the kingdom is wherever the king's will is being obeyed. That means He's there. His authority is there. And He says this presence. So He's talking about Times of refreshing coming by experiencing the presence of God by obeying His will, being in His will. His presence will be with you there. So your sins are forgiven, times of refreshing. And by the way, I don't have time. You can jot these down Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, and Isaiah 35, 4 through 10. Talk about the millennial kingdom and what it's going to be like. Peace, holiness, Comfort, justice, restoration. Those are in the millennial kingdom. Lions laying down with sheep. Kids putting their hand into snake pits, not getting bit with a cobra. All that's talked about there. Hey, by the way, animals won't eat each other. It talks about that. When's the only other time that animals were not meat eaters, that they didn't eat each other? In the garden before the fall. It's going to be just like it was supposed to be. That's what he's talking about. But also, he says in verse 20 and 21, Messiah will return for you. He says, and that He may send the Christ, the Messiah, appointed for you. Jesus. If you're His, if you repent, He's going to return for you. You see, Jesus, he says, has to remain in heaven until the time for restoring all things. Until Israel receives Messiah as a nation. He has to remain there, but He will return for His people. Zechariah 12. Go read Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. Romans 11. It talks about Him taking His people back. So this is not anti-Semitic. It's about Him coming back for His people, the Jewish people, as a nation. Messiah is going to return. And then he says, verse 22 and 23. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 18 there. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. Remember what Jesus uh, took the disciples when he took the disciples up on the Mount of Transfiguration? What did God say? This is my son. Listen to him. You know what happens if you don't listen to him? And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. If you repent, you escape God's wrath. What did Jesus say in John 10? We covered it last week. My sheep hear My voice. When they hear, it's the Shema hearing. It's a hearing that produces an action that shows faith in the one that's talking to them. But by repenting, your sins are forgiven. Times of refreshing come. Messiah is going to return for us. We're going to avoid God's wrath. And finally, he says in the last part there, Verse 25 and 26. He tells them, you are the sons of the covenant. You will be blessed to bless others. God's promise to Abraham is fulfilled back in Genesis 12. And it's not based on us. Guys, do you realize how many times these people have rejected Him as Messiah? And He's saying, repent. Repent. And then be blessed to bless others. He says, God having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness so that all the families of the earth can be blessed. That's why he redeems us, guys. So, his indictment is pretty stinging, pretty weighty. Unless we just look at the uh, Jewish people and think it's just about them, It's, it's as relevant for me and you as it is them. Do we reject his Messiah? Do we choose a murderer? Do we choose the world? I think when we compromise our faith, we're saying, you know what? Because one of the reasons that Bethany Christian Service is compromised is because they have contracts with the state and they get funding from the state and the government. George Mueller had thousands of orphans over the years. He never asked anybody for help. He trusted in God and would pray, and God always provided everything he needed to do what he wanted him to do to take care of those kids. We can't compromise. We have to understand that Messiah came for us first to be in relationship with him, and when we compromise... We do the same thing the Jewish people did in front of Pilate. We don't put God on display in a way that says this is Messiah. This is where my allegiance is. Most of us in this culture have a tendency to go. We have no king but Caesar. So, Father, thank you for the reminder today of this great message that you preached through Peter And I pray that if there's anyone in this room, Lord, who has never bowed their knee to You and their heart to You and fully released their heart to You, that the weight of the rejection of Your Son would weigh heavy on them right now. And that, Lord, Your invitation to repent would be received by them right now. And they would cry out to you simply to say, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want Jesus to be my Messiah, my prophet who reveals your word, my priest who paid for my sin, and my king who leads me every day of my life. And you can tell them now, right where you are. And Father, for those who are yours, but man, we compromise. We, we become like Peter. We sometimes become afraid of things and we compromise. I pray you would strengthen us to be reminded of all these benefits we get because we have repented of rejecting Messiah and we've received Messiah, but Lord, we forgot the benefits. Help us to be grateful for the things we do and our mission to be priests to the world around us, to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Let us live with gratitude. Let us be thankful. And let us put you on display in such a way, Lord, that people would want to know why are you different? Why are you so different? from other people who call themselves by the name of Jesus. Let us represent his name well, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.